The Pusik says, Hashem will take care of the Orlas Alev of ourselves and our children. So, so Samus asks a very interesting question. He says, The Torah is given to all the generations. So when the Torah says, It's not only talking to the people in the time of Moshe Rabbeini who will the Torah then, but everyone. So the Torah is talking to the people then, and to our parents, and to ourselves, and to our children. So why does the Torah have to add Eslavav Zarachu if they're automatically included in whatever the Torah is saying? He says something interesting that um, the Torah is teaching us that when a person does chiva, a person becomes closer to Hashem. When a person takes care of the, he, he makes sure that Imal Hashem Alekeichu Eslavavchu Taka happens with himself, and he does whatever he could for that, then automatically it has Ashpua on the children as well. Which means it's not a separate thing that Imal Hashem Alekeichu Eslavavchu, and also Eslavavzarechu, and they could have been included in the first one. No, what happens is when Eslavavchu, when you become closer to Hashem, you do your own thing uh, the right way and do what's right, automatically it's the same, it's, it's the same Imal Hashem Alekeichu that affects the children automatically. Children are so affected by everything parents do, um, both Baruchnius, like we're saying here, when parents do the right thing, parents do Chiva, parents are committed to Hashem, it automatically is Ashpur on the children and helps them do the right thing as well. And uh, the same is in Gashmius and everything else. Children definitely are very Nishpa from parents, from what goes on at home, from what they see at home, what they see between um, Tati and Mami and everything like that. And it just adds a certain dimension of responsibility to anything that pertains to Shalom bias, for good and for bad, which means sometimes you'd want to say something at home and you want to argue about something or, or express your disagreement about something or how unhappy you are about something. But for the sake of the children, you don't do that. You don't do that. They're going to be so affected by what's going on. And other times, interestingly, you would not want to express your disagreement about something and you'd want to let something slide because you're, you're a type of person who, you know what, just swallow and go with it. It's not worth it. Sometimes for the children's sake, it is worth it. And it's very hard for people to determine when's what. It's so easy for someone to say that, yeah, the way I'm behaving is for my children. And it's always important to realize, is this affecting the children in a good way or not a good way? You know, it's, it's very easy to justify what you're doing because of the children's sake, but you have to really know what you're doing and, and make sure you're getting proper guidance of how your decision or how your behavior or how your reaction to something or your lack of reaction to something will be affecting children. So again, it's not easy to apply, and I don't mean to imply that the question and answer we're going to be discussing now is always going to be a good example of this, but it's something to take into account. And just like we see the Pusik is telling us, automatically affects Lavav Zarachu, it's the same way with everything else as well. Okay, with that said, let me read a question. Dear Rabbi Gruen, thank you so much for your shirma Torah anytime. I listen to them all the time, I enjoy them, and really gain a lot from them, both in Shambayas and Chinach. Okay, thank you. My question is probably not so common, but would love to hear your opinion. Okay, I often um, say almost everything is very common, but the example might not be so common. But, but the ideas um, are more common than people think. Okay, Baruch Hashem, I have a very easy time when it comes to sleep. I fall asleep within seconds of hitting the pillow. I can sleep through noise, light, etc. I can also function relatively fine and have a productive day even after getting very little sleep. Unfortunately, my wife is the exact opposite. She's a very light sleeper, has an extremely hard time falling asleep, and if she wakes up in the middle of the night, it could take her hours to fall back asleep. Additionally, she does not function well the next day if she did not get enough sleep. It's, very, it's a very difficult Nisoyen and very hard to relate to without ever experiencing it or living with somebody going through it. Okay, that was well worded. Um, it's hard to know what it feels like to have it if you don't have this problem, and it's hard to know what it feels like to live with somebody who has it if you haven't lived with somebody who has it. Which, by the way, I'm just pointing out now that Sometimes people who are struggling with a challenge don't realize what it is 
to live with somebody struggling with a challenge, but that was just my Mosgar. Okay. Throughout the years, we have done everything possible to help the situation. She takes prescription sleeping medication. She doesn't drink any caffeine past 10 a.m. Doesn't look at her phone or computer past 8 p.m. Never naps during the day. We have room darkeners on the windows. She sleeps with earplugs and has a, flam- a fan blowing on her for the whole night. Wow. I also use a vibrating alarm clock and the kids know, to some extent, to be very quiet if they wake up early. Baruch Hashem, with all this, we're, we are pretty much under control and my wife gets adequate sleep. Understandably, the hardest time throughout our X amount of years of marriage was postpartum stage. And as much as I got up 97% of the time to take care of the baby, we lived in a small apartment. And once the baby would start to cry, if my wife woke up from it, she would be up for hours, sometimes not falling back asleep at all. Even after both me and the baby were well back asleep. Baruch Hashem, we were able to move to a bigger apartment and recently had a new, another baby. This time I decided I would sleep with the baby in a completely separate room at the other end of the apartment. The baby was formula fed and Baruch Hashem, it's been a win-win for everyone. My wife slept so well throughout this time and recovered from birth a lot faster than previous times. She has a lot more energy during the day to take care of the newborn and the rest of the kids. And for me, it's really not a big deal to get up once or twice during the night, feed the baby and fall right back asleep. Wow. My question is, it's already been a few months since the baby was born, and I still sleep out with the baby. I never really intended it to be a long-term thing, and it bothers me and my wife a lot that we don't sleep in the same room. But every time we discuss it, she gets very anxious about her sleep. She has gotten used to a very quiet room, and is very anxious about me coming back. I actually bought a vibrating baby monitor, which they make for deaf parents, so the baby won't have to come into our room. But my wife thinks, and to an extent I agree, that the noise of me getting out of bed, going out of the room, and coming back possibly more than once a night is a high risk for her waking up. And especially now that she's back at work, a night with interruptions will be catastrophic. Throughout, both me and my wife are careful to refer to my bed in the master bedroom as my bed, and the one I sleep in is just the extra bed in the baby room. But Lamai said the kids already know, uh, know it as mommy's room and tati's room. And if I ask them to put something on my bed, they'll bring it to the one in the baby's room. Okay, and then he mentions other difficulties which could obviously come from such a situation going on. My wife hates it too, but the potential to have disastrous nice nights overrides anything else. I would love to hear your opinion on this. How important is it for a couple to sleep together in the same room, and how much should we, should we risk for it? Or maybe, if this is what works best in a particular situation, and life functions best by having separate rooms, should that be the ideal, and disregard all the emotional aspects that come with it? Thank you so much. Okay, let me try to do this a, a bit briefly. Uh, the real reason is just because I'm pressed for time. Um... But you, you, you end off uh, saying, I would love to hear your opinion on this. Um, so let me start by saying that my opinion doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. It doesn't matter what your opinion is or what your wife's opinion is. It's not a matter of opinion. I think everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Everyone listening to this right now probably already formulated some kind of opinion in their head of if it's normal, if it's not normal, if it should be done, if it's, if it's not terrible, if it's, if it's preferable, if it's disastrous. It's not a matter of opinion. We're allowed to have different opinions. My opinion or yours or your wife's shouldn't be the deciding factor, the fact that somebody has an opinion. And essentially, there's no such thing as a right or wrong opinion. Opinions, by definition, are what somebody feels a certain way, somebody believes a certain way, and it's okay for people to disagree on that. Um, You ask about the emotional aspects, I think the emotional aspects of both parties is everything. It's everything. How we feel about something is everything. How The importance that we um, attach to something, that's everything. Right, to some, to the fact if I feel very strongly a certain way, and there's a strong emotional aspect to how I feel about something, then that's what makes it important. 
To some people, one thing is important. To someone else, another thing is important. To do away with what somebody feels is important because you disagree or because you think they're making a mistake or whatever it is, would be silly and wrong. It would be wrong because that person's entitled, like I said, to have an opinion. And it would be silly because it doesn't matter how right or wrong you think he is or how right or wrong you think she is or how much you could disprove it. If that's how somebody feels, it's a reason to take it seriously because that's how they feel. And when people feel a certain way, it's very very important. So the fact that some couples out there might think that this might feel um, that this is not so important, that's fine. Essentially, if that's what works for them, the fact that I might have an opinion that they're wrong about how they feel, but that's how they feel, automatically it means less to them, and it's relatively okay. How many couples are there out there that almost never sleep together because the guy's on, on a tzula shift, or he, or he works overseas, or whatever it is, you know, he has night hours. If, that, if they feel okay with it, then that's most of the answer. And if couples that are very passionate about the fact that they feel a certain way, this is important, well, if that's what's important to you, to be home for Shabbos, for example, and not to be at a, at a, at a kashrus job in a hotel, if that's how you feel, then, then it becomes more important. And obviously the tricky part is when husband feels one way and wife feels another way. But feelings and emotions is, 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 quite, is quite important. It's quite important. Now, let me start by just discussing something about sleep, Okay. Just, I always have these introductions and these bumpers and disclaimers so it doesn't sound like I don't understand the, the topic. Um, sleep is extremely important for everyone. You don't have to be a kimpaturin and you don't have to be um, postpartum to need sleep. The fact that some people could do well without so much sleep and some people um, sleep better or aren't so dependent, that, that, that's relatively fine and good for them. But even they probably need more sleep and will do better with more sleep. But sleeping well is very important for adults and for children alike, for those who don't take it seriously enough that children get enough sleep and things like that. Then there's another issue of sensory issues, which uh, is it's relatively less common, which means to need, to need sleep and be dependent on the amount of sleep or the quality of sleep, or the, you know, that's more common. Then there's things that are less common, like sensory issues. Some people are just more sensitive, whether it's a misophonia thing, for those who know what it is, it's like a sensory thing to noise, not being able to handle certain noises even when you're up. Or when people are sensory to different things. You have people who vomit and people who can't handle and people have lack of tolerance for different things. It's, it's, it's a problem. When somebody's dealing with a problem, it's a, it's a real problem. It, it wouldn't make sense, uh, and it would be wrong, again, it would be wrong and silly, let's call it, to say, well, it's not a big problem. Well, most people don't have that problem. Well, you're just, you're, just, uh, you know, you, you, you're overplaying it and it's not so important. It's ridiculous. When somebody's dealing with a problem, it's a problem. As a matter of fact, even when somebody's problem is somewhat imaginary, somewhat imaginary, and sometimes people get into the proof, I can prove it's imaginary, because then, and tomorrow, and the other way, and, and when that happened, and people do that often, it doesn't matter. By the time somebody has a problem and identifies with it, and is passionate about it, even if you could show and prove that it doesn't make sense, the more you prove it doesn't make sense, usually the more the problem intensifies. Even physically. Even physically. Now people that actually will vomit, uh, based on how they're, based on how they want to feel, without going into any details. Or people that will, that will be irritated or disturbed by something because you told them that it really doesn't disturb them, and all of a sudden it's disturbing them even more than before. How did that happen? Well, that's how things happen. And it's a problem to... Um, there's no reason to challenge any problem that somebody's dealing with, or trivialize it, or, 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 make, or, show, that, or show that you don't believe in it, or anything like that. One more thing let me just talk about. When talking about people's problems, a problem needs to be addressed. Every problem needs to be addressed. Now, again, we're talking about a responsible couple who seems to have addressed this problem quite elaborately, whether it means going for help or it means looking for all kinds of ways to make this easier. Um, but you have the people who don't address problems. 
they have problems and they like them and they talk about them and they suffer from them and they're a victim because of them and they're entitled because of them and the problem is just a problem. And when you ask, did you get a room darkener? Oh, I don't want to get room darkeners. Would you sleep with earplugs? I can handle that. Okay. Would you um, consider taking some medication or going to a doctor? I don't have to go to a doctor. If you're not dealing with a problem, there's no reason why anyone else should be dealing with, with this problem or even taking it seriously. But, you know, taking a problem seriously and looking for a solution before seeing how it affects everyone around you is definitely the right way to go. And I commend um, this woman for trying her best to have good night sleeps, uh, good nights of sleep and, and trying to do what she could. But now here, here's the bigger issue. How much does one person's problem obligate another person? Okay? Now, I always avoid extremes. Uh, saying always is probably an extreme statement. So let's, let's rephrase that. I try to um, avoid extremes as much as possible, as much as I could. Saying that your wife's problem is not your problem, it's her problem. She can't sleep, it's her problem. It has nothing to do with you. That would obviously uh, be incorrect. Right? You're married, you're running home together, and you care about each other. And if somebody's struggling, it should mean something to the other person. Well, I don't have to. You might not have to. You might not be obligated to do something because someone has a problem. But it would only make sense that you take it seriously. And even if and when and in what way it affects you, you deal with it. That's what it means to be married. That's what it means to be married. It doesn't have to be an obligation. On the other hand, there's the other extreme. And, and let me give the extreme. And I was actually tempted when I was reading the question to change the example into an extreme so that people could relate to it better and then change, the, change it back. But let me tell you what I wanted to say. If I would read this question and say, my wife can't sleep because um, she's so sensitive to smell, so already people would be taking that a little, a little interesting, and she can't handle the smell, uh, my smell, the way I smell, and it only disturbs her at night from sleeping. And she's so sensitive to it that if, if I sleep anywhere on the same floor as her, she can't handle it. So I used to sleep downstairs, but then she became even more sensitive to it, and if I don't sleep in the backyard, she can't sleep at night. And she doesn't function. And she can't be a mother to her kids and whatever else. Now, obviously, it sounds a little... I don't, I don't want to sound sarcastic or cynical. It's obviously uh, quite a bit far off. My point is just that at some point... And often I, I try to help people understand this, that until where? Until where is this going to go? If your wife wants you to sleep in the backyard, are you going to go along with that because she can't sleep? She tried. She's taking medication. She's trying what you could. Or the backyard is already, you know, overdone. Okay, let's take it to the kitchen. Would you sleep in the kitchen because your wife can't sleep? The kitchen, that doesn't make so much sense. I mean, this is open and the air conditioner, whatever. It's, it's scary, it's downstairs. In other words, there's a limit, and at some point, everyone has to acknowledge, there's a limit to how much, even when you want to, how much could you really take someone else seriously and, and do the self-nullification of, I'll do everything the way it works for you. Now, I would never encourage specifically, you know, everyone out there, think about where you're being taken for a ride or taken advantage of and stop it right now. No, whoever this works for, and there are people who sleep in separate rooms for other reasons, for whatever reasons, without going into it, and, and we'll talk about that soon, but you know, if, if whatever works for you is okay, and you're both happy with it, and you don't feel that it's affecting the kids, you don't feel it's affecting your marriage, you don't feel it's affecting your relationship, and everyone's okay, and everyone's sleeping good, and everyone's... That's wonderful. I said this, I, said this, I think, last week too, or, or maybe two weeks ago. If it works for you, and everyone's really happy, that's fine. That's, that's like the couple who's separated all week because he has a job overseas, and they're okay with it. If you're okay with it, that's part of the answer. It's okay. It's when you're not okay with it, for whatever reason, that's where you have to reevaluate. Like, at, until where will I do this? Let's say I'm okay with sleeping at the other end of the apartment with a baby. Am I okay doing it for 10 years? For 20? No, well, the baby's going to grow up. I know the baby will grow up. My point is just that, do you understand that there's a limit to everything? And very often that's, that's something that, that's uh, 
It's important for everyone to understand how to be reasonable and considerate and care for someone and be there for someone and, and sacrifice for someone. And it's not a major sacrifice because you're married and that's what you're supposed to do. But at the same time, to know that there is a limit and, and, and at, some, at some point, because it's not obligatory, it's actually unhealthy. And that's, that's, that's very important, very important. The reason why I'm saying this, just recently somebody was telling me this phrase, you know, different things ring in my ears, in my mind as I, as, I, as I discuss these topics. I talk to people very often. Somebody was saying how his wife came up with the, it's not an option card. It's not an option. Whatever would be discussed, it's not an option. And slowly you realize that, that it's not an option card is not something that she pulls when, when you, something's being asked of her and she's saying it's not an option, I can't do it. It's when it's affecting the kids and the home and even himself. One second. I want to go down at 7 o'clock in the morning and I'll be home at 8 o'clock to help you. It's not an option. What do you mean? But I have my share then. It's not an option. 7 o'clock, it, it, does, it just doesn't work. And people get so um, overtaken by that. Oh, it's, it's not an option. I, I, I have. Until where does that work? What, what do you mean it's not an option? And the answer might be because I can't sleep and then because I'm tired and I'm hungry and I'm this and I'm that and your mother and your father and your grandmother. With all the good justifications and all the good reasonings, until where does that really go? Like, at what point? Maybe it is an option. In other words, the fact, but I can't handle it. I know you can handle it, but at what point does your not being able to handle something stop obligating me to go along with it? Until the backyard? Until, until I can't daven at all? What, what if I can't daven? And I've had situations where people tell me that. My wife doesn't let me daven. What do you mean you can't daven? She tells me if I want, I could daven um, you know, at home before sunrise that, that's one thing she, but other than that it's not an option why is it not an option because she gets frazzled with the kids and she'll have a nervous breakdown again it's nice to be considerate and you want to be and you don't want your wife to have a nervous breakdown it's not easy to have a wife with a nervous breakdown but until we're like at what point do you realize that I'm sorry I have to go down so I can give you choices I can work with you I can make it easier for you I can take the the second best for myself and, and things like that but at some point it's important to realize that there's some kind of violation of boundaries over here and, you know, for me to, to sleep in that room because you have an issue and me have to sleep there and not, not have the option of coming back into my own room, it's something to think about. Again, I'm not saying until we are, not saying from when, I'm not, so let's try to get a little more particular with this example and, and, and leave it a little open. Um, you asked me my opinion about how important it is for couples to sleep in the same room. So I told you, my opinion is not so important, but personally, I happen to think it's very important. I, I, if you would have asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have not realized what the question is, like, I don't know, I, I, who doesn't sleep in the same room? Like, I, I grew up in a home, my parents were sleeping in the same room. I, I wouldn't even think that this is such a thing. Unfortunately, I've heard of situations where people don't sleep in the same room. I've heard of situations where guys tell me, well, we grew up and my parents weren't sleeping in the same room. Okay, well, did that sound normal? Um, did it have an effect on you? Did you, whatever? Anyway, all I can tell you is that I think it's relatively quite important that parents sleep in the same room for the, for the most part. And I'm saying it because unfortunately, it sounds like not everyone knows that. Now, of course, there are exceptions. There are exceptions. If it's Friday night and you left the light on and one parent can't sleep and the other one could, it's okay. It's okay to sleep in two separate rooms. You don't have to start uh, controlling each other and being upset that the other one won't come sleep with you on the floor because it's dark or light or whatever. And, and the kids will understand that as well. So there's always room for the exceptions and nobody should get too you know, nitty-gritty with this or too controlling the other person with how it has to happen or how it should never happen. So in a case like this where there's a baby crying and, and the kids understand it and, and everyone knows you know, what's really going on over here, it's relatively okay, it's not terrible. The question is, until where? Until where? In other words, there's still some importance of sleeping together, especially if you want to. 
You're not telling me that you don't want to and you want to know if you should do it just for the sake of it. You're telling me that you want to sleep in your own room and you don't like what's going on and it seems like we're not able to come up with another option and your wife is not open to hearing another option. And that's a problem. Now, I don't mean it's her problem. I'm, just, I'm saying it's a problem. I think it's important for both of you um, to learn how to deal with such a thing. And that's why I like the phrase, it's not an option. Because that's, it's a big mistake people make of there's no other options. It's either you sleep with a baby there and I get a good night's sleep or you, or you don't sleep there um, this one option that we have, and, and I just, I won't function. It makes it look like, oh, so it, if it's between the two, what, what do I do? I, I, there's usually more options. In my shir for Bukhrim, I talk about this very often, when Bukhrim start asking questions, you know, should I take this chavrisa, should I learn that, should I go to a different yeshiva, or not? It's like, this or that. Now, most often when somebody's left with a question of this or that, the reason why they can't decide is because neither of them seem too good, and they both have pros and cons, and there might be problems with either way. And very often they didn't take into account there could be more options. Now, every option might also have pros and cons, but at least, at least you have more to work with and more to think about and more problems to avoid and more benefits to gain when you, when you brainstorm. When it comes to relationships, especially the fact that we both understand that we both have feelings and opinions and desires and wants and uh, you know, things like that, things that are important to us, and we brainstorm together. It's so important to remember that we could, we could discuss this responsibly and reasonably and logically without taking it personal or being upset that the other one um, still wants to come up with another solution that we didn't yet come up with and, and not being offended by that. And I know it's not easy for everyone, but it's important to sit down and say, listen, this is a problem. Not I'm the problem and not you're the problem. We have an issue. We both have maybe two ways of dealing with, with it that we're both not yet happy with. Let's try to brainstorm. Maybe we could brainstorm with, a, with another person who could help us brainstorm. But to get stuck on either my way or your way, it's usually not the right way to do things. And if you ever are left to a point where it's either my way or your way, that's when we might have to decide, okay, so who is this affecting? Who, who has to now live by the other person's standard? Anyway, I'll just give some examples of what I'm brainstorming in the 10 seconds that I thought about this. And it could be none of this is relevant. And it's all unreasonable, but it might either help you brainstorm better or maybe something I'm saying is reasonable. I don't know. There might be an issue, for example, of her moving to the playroom. Maybe. And it might already make you feel a little better. Um, and you'll sleep with the baby in the, big mas- in, the, in the master bedroom, for example. There might be a suggestion of taking turns. Like this, the kids aren't picking up on mommy's room, tati's room. And it becomes more simple that, you know, there's a baby problem. But okay, so sometimes mommy sleeps, sometimes tati sleeps. Down. There might be an issue of tati and mommy going to sleep in the same room. There might be an option of mommy and tati going to sleep in the same room. And then slowly, by the time mommy goes to sleep, tati sneaks his way out and the kids don't even notice, for example. There might be an option of having the baby sleep in the other room, and hiring a nurse. Well, that costs a lot of money. I know it does. So does marriage counseling. You know, maybe, maybe that's what it takes for the first few months. There could be another issue, or another option um, of stopping to work. If you can't function by day because you didn't sleep at night, uh, who said that this arrangement is better and you're holding on to your job you know, with all your might? And I mention this often with people who use jobs and, and careers and, and employment as as an excuse for things that aren't good. If that's the problem, then maybe stop working. But we can't do that. Oh, maybe we could. I don't know. I, I don't know. So these are just um, some examples. But if it's either my way or your way, I think you're limiting yourself, first of all, and I think that you're imposing your way on someone else. And, and the fact that you know, the fact that something's bothering you and it really does bother you is, is, is a problem. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that the other person has to now dance alone because for you nothing else works. It's, 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 very, it's very important. Now, of course, whenever you're dealing with any options, I'm mentioning this to the questioner, you have to take into account whatever the other options will, will uh, involve. In other words, 
If doing it your way means your wife can't work, okay, are you ready to um, have less income? Or if doing it uh, a certain way means that the baby won't have food, everything has to be taken into account, obviously. Obviously. But I, I, th- I still think that it's important to realize that not, not everything that doesn't work for you obligates me. It, there's a limit to everything. As much as you want to, and you should want to accommodate your wife and be there for your wife and be flexible and tolerant and everything, I work along to the best of your ability. At some point, we have to communicate about the fact that I feel it's getting overdone. I think we should put a stop to it at a certain point or come up with another solution at a certain point and, and be a little more um, um, forthcoming with this. Now, let me end off with this. Communication is everything. Communication is everything. The biggest problems with Hashem's help could generally be resolved with proper communication. And if you're not properly communicating about something, then the smallest problems are unresolvable and they could just cause chaos in the relationship. I've seen a lot smaller issues than these um, destroy relationships because the way it was communicated about was totally uh, trivializing and hurtful and confrontational and antagonistic and and just became a whole uh, mishmash. And bigger problems than this, a lot bigger problems than this, when communicated properly with sensitivity, with care and love and feeling, I don't know, sometimes they work their way way out without even coming up with solutions. So I believe that if you sit down with your wife and you truly, truly validate the way she feels and justify and understand the issue and empathize with her difficulties and be encouraging about how supportive you want to be and, and, not but, and um, express how you're also a person and how you feel about this and how hard it is for you and how you wish you could make it work for both of us. And if we could and if we can't, and you communicate it in a way that, that really takes all the emotions out of the picture and you zoom in just on the issue and coming up with a solution with Hashem's help with the proper, with the proper attitude, I believe this could be resolved. It's hard for me to believe that the only way to deal with this is by you, um, you know, being long-term in another room and feeling very not good about it. Like I said before, if you're okay with it, so am I. But if you're not, I think there's a better way to deal with it. And with Hashem's help, with the proper communication, helping each other understand each other, and helping each other understand that as much as I do understand and feel for you, I also understand and feel for myself, and I'm willing to consider more options. And hopefully the way we deal with this, just just um, commenting on the idea we started off with, hopefully the way we deal with this will have an effect on our children in the right way, with Hashem's help, we will have the from the children, and live together.